Well, it'd be better if I was recording this. Oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, okay. Tell me when uh, you're ready, Mr. Bowman. <laughs> I'm recording. <laughs> well, at least we have our opening, or half of our opening. Yeah. Fantastic. All right, here we go again. Each Drupal Con's diverse, the con. Each Drupal Con's diverse, the con's varieties immense. Ethnic, cultural, religious groups, discussions get intense. So please, please consider if your actions might cause some offense. Please be considerate. I can't take it. What? 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 You, that's, you're totally faking that. That's terrible. I, I just spilled my water on my music. You know, I had the music ready, ready to sing, and uh, my water just spilled oh on it. Oh, my gosh. Whatever. So, you know what? I'm not running. Even, just for that, I'm not even going to introduce you. Welcome to Drupal Easy Podcast 190. My name is Mike Anello. I'm uh, hosting the, the podcast alone today. You might hear another voice uh, chiming in, but just ignore that and we'll get past it. Um, that was uh, Glory Glory from, I think, uh, New Orleans. Yeah, DrupalCon New Orleans, it says here in our show notes. So um, it was going to be a magical uh, intro number, um, but apparently Ted can't get his act together. So. It was it was magical in the rehearsals, you must admit. Mm, yes, it was magic. Tears. I, you know, I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but there were tears shed. During the yeah. rehearsal. Another uh, week. Yeah. Well, we'll try it again in uh, episode 191. Why not? Um, so how's it going? It's good. It's a little rainy, no snow, but um, not too cold. So let's just confirm you're actually recording the podcast this time, right? <laughs> recording this podcast or <laughs> the one I'm missing? <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I can confirm I see a stop record button. Let me see if that works. No, just kidding. Oh, my goodness. All right. So uh, on today's podcast, we're going to be talking about DrupalCon Baltimore, not the actual event per se, but more just about the session submission process, which is underway as we uh, as we speak. And joining us to talk about um, DrupalCon Baltimore session submission are two of the um, track Folks, I guess is the best way of uh, putting it. I don't know. Um, there's a bunch of there's a bunch of people involved in the tracks, and I should let me introduce real quick. Uh, Dan Schiavoni, did I say that right, Dan? That's right. That's right. You are from uh, Snake Hill Web Agency uh, in uh, Baltimore, and you are involved in the front end track, right? That is right. I'm the local lead for the front end track. All right, so I'm going to ask you a question in a second. As soon as I introduce uh, Elizabeth Lipinski, she told me earlier she <laughs> wants to be called Elizabeth, but everybody calls her Liz. So for this podcast, we're going to make your dreams come true. Thank you. I love Go that. Elizabeth. Um, so Elizabeth, you are also with Snake Hill. You are a technology strategist. Um, yes. And you are and the... Oh, go ahead. I'm the lead on the business track. All right, very the good. Local so lead. the local lead. So how many like does each track have like a team of people? Like how, how does the, give give us kind of like the the anatomy? Well, yeah. So each track 
has, they try to have three leads. One of them is local and two are called global leads. Mm-hmm. And in the past, those people have been local leads for the most part. Right. So the, the local lead from New Orleans, uh, for instance, um, for the business track is a global lead with me for the business track this year. I so see. we still have knowledge transfer. We can see how, what worked, what didn't. And then, um, and it gives us a direction. So the two of you are already committed to be, um, uh, um, involved with, uh, the next Drupalcon, North American Drupalcon as well, then. Maybe. <laughs> if well, they it asked like you, us. <laughs> it sounds like you're going to move on to be the global, you know, one of the global leads for the front end and for the business track next year. If that formula holds true. I hope so. One of my leads was, um, I think in, he worked on Amsterdam, I think. Mm-hmm. So it might skip a generation. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Very good. And our listeners might recognize Dan's voice um, from a couple things. Number one, you were on our podcast not too long ago. I think we recorded it at GovCon. And we were talking about Drupal Camp Baltimore, which you're one of the organizers of. That's correct. That's you, right. Uh, you allowed me to plug our local camp here. And you also had a little bit of, um, you were, I don't want to say a little involved, you were pretty involved in the announcement for Drupal Con Baltimore as well. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, let's not dwell on that, though. Oh, that was fantastic. That was, was fantastic. <laughs> All right, so before we dive in, before we dive in anymore, let me real quick mention uh, one of our sponsors, uh, MyDropWizard.com. They are one of the Drupal 6 long-term support providers, official providers. Um, so what they do is if you have a Drupal 6 site um, that needs updating, that is still out there on the web, um, you know, since Drupal 6 is no longer supported by the community, uh, some um, private companies have kind of stepped up and, and become official long-term support providers for Drupal 6 sites. Um, the folks over at MyDropWizard have made it super easy to work with them. Um, if your site is hosted you know, on Pantheon or anywhere else, they can basically hook up your site to their system. And as security um, patches are are needed or found or released for um, Drupal 6 core and modules through the community. While there's no more releases of Drupal 6, MyDrop Wizard will actually apply those patches to your site and keep your site secure moving forward. Um, it's one of those things that if you have them do it, you don't have to worry about it anymore. If you are an agency, you can white label their service and offer it to your clients. So that's a, that's a really nice little feature as well. Um, they're very quick. Normally they will patch your site within 24 hours, uh, that the, uh, update is released. Um, and they, um, also have various levels of automated testing. So prior to pushing that updated site out live, they can run through some manual or automated tests. Um, as well, I don't want to say manual. I believe they're all automated tests um, to make sure that those updates aren't going to break your site. Um, you can check them out at mydropwizard.com or you can email them directly at sales at mydropwizard.com. 
Okay, so um, Daniel and Elizabeth, let's talk about session submission, um, which is now currently open. Um, are the tracks similar to what we've seen in previous Drupal cons? Are there any changes to the types of tracks that we're looking at? The tracks are the, the same for the most part. Uh, a couple of new ones were introduced last year, and they've kept them. Um, I forget which ones those were right now. I think project management and I think the B- uh, B- UX. Uh, the Being Human track is, was and new last Being year Being Human well. is new this year. It right. premiered in Dublin and oh, did really well. And that one focuses on the human beings behind it all, you know, t- how diversity improves community, how to deal with stress, and my personal favorite, ethics and software development. And um, they also added content strategy to the UX uh, session track. Um, also, there's a new summit. There's a nonprofit summit this year. So I think that's all the new stuff. I mean, I don't know if you have the if, if either of you have the answer to this question, but are some tracks more heavily proposed than others? Yes, the business track I know gets a lot of uh, a lot more submissions, but this year, being human is in the lead right now. Wow! Um, as a let me see. I, I actually have a list. Um, co- no, coding and development just took. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. And coding <laughs> development is in the lead. we got to have some music. This is a Drupal Easy exclusive. <laughs> Being human is coming in second right behind them with one less uh, session proposal with business uh, lagging behind. Um, and then the rest seem to even out at sort of half of where those are, except for core conversations, which are, um, well, they, they could use a little help. I would have, yeah, I think I would have guessed that the coding and development track would have been the most heavily um, proposed. Um, you would, uh, yes. Uh, last year, though, business had the most, I believe. Huh. And in the end, do, do all tracks get the same number of sessions or is it kind of weighted by, you know, how many proposals? I don't think that they use a percentage of how okay. many proposals. It's more how many uh, proposals that are uh, the you know the ones that seem to fit right. what we're trying to do with the session tracks. We kind of look at those and and decide. So even if we get uh, say a hundred proposals for my track, if only a few of them fit the model we're looking at or the things we're focusing on this year or um, others seem to be more interesting or are better suited for whatever reason, then it might be less or it might be more. So that you, you kind of bring up an interesting point are, you know, do the track chairs get together beforehand and, and come up with a list of topics that, you know, you're focused on, like, you know, we really want to showcase sessions on these four topics, or is it kind of you look at what everyone's proposing and say, well, you know, 30% of these proposals are on, you know, subject A, so we should probably accept one of them. Well, I would say both. Like, for instance, um, for the business track, people are proposing all sorts of interesting, I mean, you can see what the proposals are and they're very interesting um, proposals. Not all were necessarily what we were looking for, but in 
the session track uh, notes that are the descriptions that we've provided, we we say what we're kind of what we're looking for. So for instance, for the business track, we're looking for strategies for sustainable growth, how expansion is affecting businesses. We're seeing a trend that um, that services in addition to Drupal are being offered. Is that going the way companies have expected it to go or the way they hoped? Right, are they but, offering integrated solutions? That's new kind of from the last few years. But where does so, that list come from? Is that list coming from the track chairs? From our track, right. The globals okay. and the local leads get together and flush all that out and see what, what the trends are. And for instance, um, Yane, my, uh, one of my global track, um, chairs is he, I think was doing the CEO, um, survey that had gone out. Mm-hmm. And so he had a lot of information about what CEOs are thinking and what, um, what kinds of, things that their businesses are doing so we could look at the trends within the Drupal community and say, here's here's what we really need to focus on this year. So that doesn't mean we're not open to other things, obviously. So each track team sort of sets um, a direction or they could set a direction or they could be more open in their track description. And then uh, from there, it all depends on who's who's submitting sessions and what they've submitted. And there's a lot of discussion back and forth and horse trading. So a session might uh, be put in a different track, um, you know. So we, we there's there's a bit of uh, organizing that goes on after we get all get all the submissions. So. I'm look, I'm thinking back to when I submit a proposal for a session. I'm not sure how much attention I pay to the descriptions of each track. Because you know what what I'm hearing is that you guys put a lot of thought into those descriptions and you're trying to set the direction and and the topics that you're going to be more focused on. Um and it seems like that that's an important lesson for folks like me who just, you know, gloss over and yeah, blah, blah, blah. Here's a session I want to submit. Um, Ted, are you, do you, do you actually read those or are you in the camp with, with me where you're just submitting the session having to do with what you're working on or kind of where your interest lies? Um, So probably if I was um, doing one of the new, the new tracks, I would definitely read because maybe I have, wouldn't have any idea what they are. Um, I guess if, it, I don't know if there's a site building track, um, and the coding one, I, I think I would know what that means, but maybe outside of those two, I would probably read cause I might not have such a great idea what they are. Well, it seems like it's, it's almost like when you're taking a, like a written test in school where, you know, you read the first sentence about what you're supposed to write about and you're like, Oh, I know this and you start writing, but then there's a whole bunch of other information in the following sentences saying, be sure to, you know, explain in detail this thing and that thing and this thing. And um, it seems like it might be a real advantage for people proposing sessions if they, you know, take take careful care to make sure their session kind of fits the mold for what track chairs are looking for. Well, it doesn't right. mean that people, people are, are, have experience doing all sorts of things that we may not see right away but when people get their their submissions in early 
it gives us an opportunity to look at them and ask questions to help get it, flush it out and get it to where it needs to be, which is right. why we're here to help, uh, hopefully, to encourage people to submit their proposals earlier rather than later. I'm just trying to figure out how best to gain the system right now. <laughs> well, I think, you know, a good example of what you're talking about is like in the front end uh, description, right? Um, front end can mean a lot of different things to different people. So it can mean theming, it can mean JavaScript front ends, it could mean, but it also could mean design. Um, so you know, we, we tried to carve, you know, at least define what we meant by front end. Um, and the same thing with UX, it gets, it gets difficult, you know, it gets uh, tricky there to describe what do we mean by user experience and, you know, including content in there. Um, so in that way we set parameters, but you know, people are going to be busting out of those uh, definitions. And uh, if it's interesting, you know, we'll find a place for them. I think Mike was hoping there would be something like in a Craigslist ad where they say, include this word in the subject or I'll put it in spam <laughs> or put this in your note, your title of your session, or it will be automatically trashed. Well, that's that <laughs> now everyone knows. <laughs> All right. So let's move on to um, outreach because Dan, you actually put this this item in the rundown, it seemed, you know, and I'm guessing, and this is why you're on the podcast to give us the information. I'm guessing that there's been a little bit different approach to outreach to, to finding people to propose. Right. So there, you know, in the Drupal community, I think, uh, throughout the Drupal community, we're looking at being more inclusive and for session proposals, um, we're hoping to get some drawn some new faces and possibly people from without from outside the Drupal community, but also get a diverse set of voices there um, and all that that entails. So that's a big part of what we're focused on this year is to increase diversity, uh, you know, in many different ways and increase participation. So how, I mean, what does that actually look like? Are, are we, are we, you know, putting like text ads on, you know, you know, on, on non Drupal sites for, you know, to get the word out or how, how are we actually, you know, reaching outside the, uh, of the community to find these new faces? Liz, you want to take that one? I think, I'm, you know, Liz has been involved with that quite a bit. Put you on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, we had, we devoted an entire, um, an entire, uh, one a meeting to discussing how to reach out to different groups and keeping in the back of our mind how to, um, sometimes people need to kind of be pulled out a little bit to say, Hey, we want to hear from you. So there's a list right now, um, that we all share, all the session track chairs are sharing of um, people they'd like to hear from or they'd be curious about to reach out to specifically. Amanda, um, who leads all of these discussions um, at drupal.org, is um, reaching out to all sorts of different uh, technology groups to let them know that we're accepting sessions and that they're welcome to submit uh, 
And with everyone keeping this in mind, it's been a very, it's been very interesting to see. Um, I'm, I'm even thinking of groups I wouldn't have thought of normally because it's being brought up as part of the discussion so often that, um, we're able to, there's sort of a camaraderie um, in trying to hear from new voices. So let me ask another question. And I have to be very, well, I want to be careful about the way I ask it you know, because I want to make sure that I'm asking it the right way. But I guess let me start with when you guys evaluate sessions, are you doing it blindly? You know, are you only looking at the content of the session? Or are you, do you have access immediately to the, the presenter's name and country of, or, you know, their home country and, and, and things like that? We do have all that information. So it's, 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 um, it's hard to do it blindly. And I think, and I think it's good for us to keep in mind, you know, there, there's going to be a lot of familiar names, uh, coming through and, and already, there are in the in the ones that have been proposed, um, so we want to be aware of that. You um, want to be aware that you know X Y Z company has six sessions submitted, and if we accepted all six, that would be, you know, X Y Z would dominate all those sessions. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. How, but how do you, you know, and this is, it's, it's a question that I don't know if there's a, there's an answer to yet, but it's a question that a lot of event organizers struggle with is how do you, um, increase diversity among speakers? Um, and, you know, while selecting the best session proposals, because in a perfect world, you know, the best session pro- proposals would come from a very diverse, diverse group of people. Um, well, I think but, the number one thing is to make sure that the pool of proposals is from a diverse group exactly, of people. Exactly, right. Yes. Right. And then that seems like that's, you know, that's what we were just talking about, and that's where your initial focus is. So we're reaching out to tech groups online that might be focused on a different, you know, different segments of, society um and uh we're also one-on-one we're contacting people and say hey you might want to get involved yeah it's it's a it's a sticky issue to and it's difficult to get right i think because it takes a or i should say i i believe it takes a lot of work to get right but it's work that i think is you know well you know definitely needed and it's good work to do we think so too. And it's not just asking someone to submit a session doesn't mean we're guaranteeing them a spot. Right. As a but, speaker. But it's, it's but encouraging more voices gives us more options too. Yeah, it's like it's like Daniel said, you're increasing the, the pool. Right. Okay. So session proposals are open now. How long are they open for? Till February first. So it's coming up very soon. Right, so by the time this gets released, we'll probably be a little bit over a week um, left. And then, so what, you know, what does someone have to know, um, you know, or do before, you know, in order to apply? Okay, some some tips here. (laughs) We're expecting most of the proposals to come the day of the deadline. That's pretty typical, Um, right? Pretty typical. Um, We're hoping to encourage people to. Um, 
not do that or submit them ahead of time or at least have other people read them. Um, you know, we're available to help um, if people contact us through the, uh, the DrupalCon Baltimore site. Um, and we can answer any questions they have about submitting proposals um, and kind of give them some guidance. Um, you know, definitely have it's, you know, definitely have other people read your proposal, you know, try, you know, get some feedback beforehand. It's always great if you've done it at a camp or some other event too. So you can work out, um, some of the kinks that you might have. Um, but definitely I encourage people to get feedback and to, um, you know, definitely write it earlier, at least so you can think about it and, um, you know, don't, don't write it at the last minute. And then we can ask questions and things can be further defined when we're inundated at the end and everything's submitted at that point, it's going to be a lot harder. Um, I had someone recently reach out to me and say, I want, I think this would be an interesting topic, but if you don't think it's interesting enough to even be considered, I'm not going to write it up. And it was interesting. I didn't, you know, I made sure he understood that it doesn't mean that we're not guaranteeing him that it will be accepted, but it, we would love to hear um, on that particular topic. So there are, we can answer all sorts of questions <laughs> but if people reach out. So how do they actually, is there a link on the, I'm, I'm actually on the DrupalCon Baltimore site. Is, is there a way to contact the track chairs? Well, when you see my pick of the week, you'll know. Oh, very nice. <laughs> well played. I like that. Ted, have you submitted your session yet? Or are you going to wait till January 30th or 31st? I should say. I am not going to wait that long. <laughs> uh, I may have set, up, set aside some time this weekend. This past weekend. So, so what you're saying is it's almost ready to submit. Oh, my gosh. It's so close. It's so <laughs> close. It's just uh, sending over to the English department at some of the local universities here. Very smart. Feedback yes. on some of the language. So I know that one of kind of my, I don't want to call it a hot button topic, but something I've been big on for a long time in the community as far as um, speaker selection for Drupal cons is I'm a big believer in, well, I'm a big baseball fan. So I'm a big believer in a farm system in like growing talent in the minor leagues and graduating up to the major league. So, um, what I've always, you know, kind of liked to see, you know, when I go to sessions at DrupalCon are sessions that are not being given for the first time at a DrupalCon. Um, so, I don't, and I know that, you know, I'm looking at the form right now for submitting a session. Um, I mean, I would, I think it would be just wonderful if folks who submit sessions at the very least before DrupalCon present that session at a local event, whether it's a meetup or a camp. But, you know, you know, like I think Elizabeth, you just said, work the kinks out in advance. Um, I think it makes a huge difference in, you know, figuring out the timing, you know, how long is your se session actually going to take? You're going to get a lot of great information from the questions that are asked at that session. Um, especially if you do it at a meetup where it's a lot smaller room and people are, are it's easier to give valuable feedback. 
Um, and I've always wondered, and I know I don't, again, I don't expect the two of you to have the answer to this, but maybe you have some, you know, some interesting feedback. I've always wondered why we haven't made this a requirement for Drupal cons. <laughs> and I'm just going to leave that there. <laughs> it's not a requirement, but you are asked to list your speaking experience. Right. But, okay. So, and I'm going to pick on Ted here because, you know, Ted's a pal and I like Ted, but Ted's a good speaker. He, he always delivers. So that, that's me being nice to Ted. Now, let, let's just say that, you know, Ted submits a session and it's a really, you know, everything he writes in the session proposal is really well done, really well thought out. He has solid speaker experience, but for some reason he gets busy and he doesn't actually prepare his session until a day or two before DrupalCon Baltimore, which by the way, never happens. I never see people doing that. <laughs> Especially, well, well, I, I should say I never see Ted doing that in all honesty, but we, I see people all the time working on their session, you know, in the hallways of DrupalCon, you know, getting ready. Um, and, you know, maybe this is just me being very anal retentive, but, you know, I'm just trying to figure out how can we, how can we move in that direction to strongly encourage people to present their sessions somewhere else first in order for it to be considered at DrupalCon? Well, I guess one question would be, because I've, re- I've submitted sessions where I actually link to if the camp recorded this, a, pre- a session that I've sure. done. I link to that, you know, thinking, well, the person, you know, evaluating could actually look and um, obviously, like, I'm sure there's time crunch, but could look for a second and say, oh, this person looks prepared the previous time. So <laughs> if, if it's the same, if it's the same yeah. presentation, right? Yeah. And that's what I, I make notes to saying, you know, I, perf- I did this session at so-and-so camp and here's a, here's a video recording of it. I want to make that mandatory. Why can't we make yeah. that mandatory? I would say it's helpful. And we do, I mean, I look at those and feel more comfortable knowing that that's going to be a strong session because it's been done before. Um, and I can listen to it. And, right. and I know, um, so I, I know others feel that way as well. I know uh, we I'm going off to, on a tangent. I'm sorry. <laughs> we can ask Amanda about that. I think she could offer some interesting insight. No, Amanda's not here. We need to make this decision today and get this done. <laughs> but I think there's also the situation where either something is new or... Oh, that's a cop-out. Ta- that- <laughs> somebody's talking about something that is upcoming. Like, say you, I wanted to do a session on, hey, the new stuff that's available in 8.3 mm-hmm. of Drupal. Uh, that's not can't be done yet because 8.3 is I mean I could say what's coming up Todd do you have a computer I I have then you can do then you can announce say I'm giving a one hour or 45 minute webinar on this topic yeah but I'm saying you can't do necessarily do that before the session selection now I I agree with your point but it would be I think it would be hard to do like a hard and fast rule because what would you say where would we say people would could perf, you know would have to do it before? I don't think you should have to do it at Drupal Camp because I think nope. we should be able to say like, well, people could do it at other tech conferences or especially oh, no, being human no, no. thing, maybe non tech conferences. No, I agree with you. I don't care where they do it. I just think it needs to be done in front of an audience somewhere. I mean, I'm fine with like I said, do it as a webinar, do it at a meetup, do it 
you know, in front of your, you know, folks inside of your own organization, inside of like your development team. But I think having that experience of doing your presentation in front of people, getting direct feedback, figuring out if your presentation that you think is going to be 35 minutes is actually 35 minutes or not. Um, because, and here, so here, now I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, kind of switch tacks and go, you know, hit this from another angle is people play, pay a lot of money to go to DrupalCons. You know, uh, you know, here in, in North America, you're spending, I would say, you know, for North Americans, you're spending minimum of 1500 bucks to attend a DrupalCon. If you count travel, hotel, meals, the cost of a DrupalCon ticket. I mean, at the very least, there should be some hurdle that presenters can get over. And I know that I, I know that I'm very biased when it comes to this, but and it hasn't happened as much in the past few years as it did ha- uh, earlier, or you know, earlier older Drupal cons, I guess is the best way of saying it. Um, but I just I just think it's it's something to strive for. Um, I mean, I would love to see something along the lines of you know, have sessions that have been presented before, you know, get more weight or additional consideration or have a leg up on other proposals. I've really gone off the reservation here with this. This is, I know we're yeah. nowhere near the rundown anymore, but. I, I think it's a good idea, but it's like something we have to push for for the next DrupalCon, right? Right. And in the meantime, it says clearly that all speakers must have previous public speaking experience. Sure. And when we are choosing sessions, we are looking at what that experience is. And if there are any recordings, we're looking at them. Yep. So, I mean, we are, we are, this, it, this is not falling on deaf ears. I no. <laughs> no, no, I know. I'm, you know, and I'm, I love the fact that's there. I just want it to go farther. Okay. <laughs> I just want more. I'm just very greedy. I want it better. <laughs> But I think to some extent, if you see a video of somebody giving another session at a camp and they're obviously really well prepared, it would bode well for their performance at a con. It's like, oh, they took the camp seriously and they obviously got prepared for the camp. Um, It's obviously not a guarantee, but it's it's probably more likely somebody who gives, um, thinks ahead and prepares well for a camp is... Is going to do more so for a con, probably. Yep, that all completely valid, and I, I just, I just know how valuable it is to me. The first time I give a presentation, um, how valuable that feedback is, and how I would be, I would be scared to death of giving a presentation for the first time at a DrupalCon. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I've given a lot of presentations at you know all levels of, of Drupal events, and I would never you know dare even submit a session for DrupalCon unless I had a firm belief that I could deliver what I'm promising in the time allotted and that it's going to be valuable for people. So people could go back and listen to our um, Drupal Easy podcast with Jeff Eaton, where he talks about preparing for Absolutely. Yeah. That would be a good uh, thing if people want to see like the importance or preparation somebody might put into it. That might scare a lot of people away because he prepares <laughs> the hell out of it. <laughs> but, you know, maybe encourage also some people like, oh, I should put uh, maybe a tenth of the effort he put into it. Yeah. All right. So I will I will get off my my 
rant or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> I should have warned you. I had it in the back of my mind Onward. this morning as I was. I think this is like a yearly rant. <laughs> I, it, it does feel like it, doesn't it? I mean, it's, it sounds like that you've run across. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I'm curious. Have you been running across sitting in sessions that you're like, uh, you know, wish you hadn't sat down or. Oh, sure. Sure. I mean, like I said, I mean, it happened a lot more year, you know, several years ago. The past two or three years have been a lot better, but, um, there have definitely been sessions at cons in the past year or two where, um, either I felt the description was misrepresenting the content or, you know, it was clear that, you know, 30 minutes in, and then the presenter starts a demo that's clearly going to take another 35 minutes. Yeah. I mean, I'll chime in that I've also seen people who weren't prepared, especially for the time frame that they yeah. you know, knew ahead of time. Yeah. We'll, we'll be on the lookout. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so great. So we have, um, so February 1st, so a little over a week left to get your sessions in. Um, a lot of really great tracks. Let me just, I'm going to read down this list of tracks because I was at, I, there's a lot more than I thought there were. Um, but real quick. So being human, we've talked about business, of course. Elizabeth, you're on that, um, committee, mm-hmm. coding and development, core conversations, which Ted, I'm going to assume you're going to be submitting a core con- conversation track. Um, proposal? Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, sure. DevOps? No, I have one. I have one I want to present, but yeah, that's probably the best, uh, best, best, best place for it. Um, DevOps, um, front end, which uh, Daniel is a member of the committee for. Horizons. What's Horizons exactly? Uh-oh. Where's my cricket? So Horizons from? are like new technologies, new techniques, new tools. Okay. Very good. Um, PHP. Project management, site building, symphony, UX and content strategy, and Drupal showcase. Um, There's a symphony track? Just a symphony track? Yeah, just a symphony track. Is that new? I don't think so. No, I think it was in Dublin. I don't know if it was, was it last year in, where were we last year? I can't remember now. How horrible is that? New Orleans. New Orleans, thank you. I was actually going to say Los Angeles. (laughs) Well, regardless, there's one now. Um, And then I think this might be new for North America. There's 25-minute sessions as well as 60-minute sessions. Yes, that is new. I'm glad you brought that up. That is (laughs) new. (laughs) So do all tracks have these 25-minute sessions? That's correct. You You can apply to do a shorter session. Or you can do a longer one. And um, this gives people opportunity to kind of um, touch on a topic and not have to uh, speak for 40, 50 minutes. All right. Very good. Sounds easy. Now, if I, if I submit a session and I'm like Mike's saying, maybe not prepared, and so I give it and then I realize like, ah, oh, it's just going to be 25 minutes. Can I tell them at the time? Like, sorry, folks, only 25 minutes. You could. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. This is new territory, new territory for everyone, I think. Well, I I think we've covered everything um, 
that we have written down and then some. Um, so, Daniel, Elizabeth, did I did we miss anything? I don't think so. All right, cool. You guys are going to stick around for the rest of the podcast, so feel free to chime in anytime. Real quick, let me mention some Drupal Easy news. Um, another semester of our 12-week Drupal Career Online program starts up in about a month and a half on Monday, March 13th. Um, it's an evening session. This uh, um, Every spring, we, we try to do it in the evening, so that means... Um, it's two days a week from 5.30 to 9 p.m. Eastern time, um, in addition to lab hours, and those lab hours are set by the students, so we'll figure those out once we actually seat the class. But it's a 12-week Drupal um, training class where you learn everything from information architecture, moving things between local dev stage and production, um, we get a taste of module and theme development, the class is still a blend of Drupal 7 and Drupal 8, and we're slowly making it a bit more Drupal 8 heavy. Um, so if you would like to get some more information about that, you can go to drupaleasy.com slash DCO for Drupal Career Online. And if you want... Um, some more direct information, we do what we call the Taste of Drupal, which is basically it's a webinar um, for for people who are interested in, in taking the class, and we're doing it twice in um, the next month or so, uh, Wednesday, February 1st, and Tuesday, February 28th at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. Uh, if you're interested in, in attending the, the no-cost Taste of Drupal to get more information, just go to drupaleasy.com slash DCO and sign up and let us know you're going to be there and we will tell you how to join. Um, yeah, so let's move on to three stories, some news uh, over the past few weeks. Uh, the first one I want to talk about is a blog post um, by Tim Lanen from the Drupal Association. I hope, hope I pronounced his last name correctly. Um, the title is Reorganizing More Types of Contribution in the Drupal.org Marketplace. So this one's kind of interesting because um, I know, Ted, we've talked about this on the podcast at least uh, two or three times. Um, some at some point last year, the Drupal.org Marketplace, the listings on that page, it's basically a list of, of Drupal you know, agencies and, and providers. Um, it used to be ordered alphabetically. Um, at some point in the, you know, during 2016, it was re-ranked, um, by the number of contributions and specifically issue credits that each organization had attributed to them. And so organizations that contributed more back to Drupal appeared higher up on that list. So obviously it was a very prestigious thing to be, you know, first or second on that list. And I, and for, I think as long as, as long as it had been going, it was uh, either your company, uh, Acquia, Ted, um, or uh, MD Systems uh, were like the top two spots in contributing back. Um, there was a tweak to the algorithm made um, in the past week or so um, in order to recognize additional types of contributions. Um, so not just issue credits. Um, I, for one, can't, you know, Love this, and I can't wait to see it expanded even further. Um, so what are they actually changing? Um, they're actually, in addition to issue credits, uh, organizations 
can um, get, I'm going to call them points. I'm not sure what the, well, they call it overall contribution credit. So there's right now there's four ways you can get contribution credit and that's with uh, uh, issue credits um, by having a Drupal 8 case study, a Drupal 8 case study um, accepted and posted on Drupal.org. Um, being a Drupal association supporting partner or um, having an organization membership as well as supporting contrib projects. So we're starting to kind of increase the way that we track contributions um, so that they can um, be additionally quantified. Um, there are definitely some, uh, you know, many other types of contributions that are not yet quantified um, that they actually, I'm, I'm very happy to see in this blog post that they, that they noted those, um, including the project, applica- project application reviews, which for those of you who have had to wait in that queue to have your project applications approved, know that it's a bit of a hot mess right now. Um, and another one that's near and dear to my heart, and I think the four of us probably, is camp organization. Because I know there are a heck of a lot of camp organizers out there who do a lot of work organizing events, but don't necessarily, you know, partake in writing patches um, who, you know, we should honor and we should, you know, be able to, you know, look and say, wow, that person has contributed a lot. Um, and so I, it seems like the DA is aware of this and are moving in that direction to capture as many types of contribution credit as possible. I'm not sure I took a breath the entire time I said that. So I'm feeling a little lightheaded all of a sudden. I would I would add that case studies are important enough to uh, at this point that there are also requests for case studies in the session tracks for DrupalCon. So if someone does have an interesting case study, especially if their customer wants to um, help present it, uh, those are being looked at very carefully as well. Yeah, case studies are really interesting because, and I mean, Elizabeth, tell me if you have the same opinion that, that I do of this is case studies aren't really for us. Case studies are like one of the main things that can help bring people into the community. Yes, I think so too. Right. And I think when people have real life tangible experience that they can say, yes, this is what it did and this is how it did it, that it helps making, um, the case for Drupal much uh, easier. It's a, it's an easier decision to make. Yeah, especially when you're trying to make that case to someone non-technical. Yes. Right? Um, and, I mean, I think they're incredibly difficult to write well. Um, it's one of those things where, you know, I, I try and read all the case studies that are posted on Drupal.org, and usually within the first few paragraphs, I've, I'm either hooked or I'm not. And I'm not, and, and and it's not like a technical thing where I'm hooked because it's technically interesting. It's usually I'm hooked because they're they've laid out the problem, they've discussed the alternatives, and here's why we chose Drupal, and then here's some you know some maybe you know some implementation details as well. But yep. anyway, so good stuff, good stuff from the DA. Um, you know, can't wait to see more of that coming in the future. Um, so, Ted, there is some stuff happening with media in Drupal 8.3, is there not? Oh, yeah, do tell. 
No, Utah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So the next story is a link from MD Systems, which uh, I think on that marketplace list right now, they are number two. And I'm sure they're number two because a lot of the work they do with media. And so they, there's a blog post on MD Systems, uh, the status, current status of media in Drupal 8 and next steps. Oh, maybe actually it's Media Essentials begins at Cherry into Drupal Core. Um, so this was written, I think, a couple weeks ago, or at least a week ago. Um, there's also a link to um, Giannis, who works for MD Systems, uh, with the results from the Media Sprint. So basically, I think in beginning of December, uh, a bunch of people got together in Munich and had a sprint uh, to try to get uh, the basics of media into Core. So I think actually as it stands, so there's a video that he put on there that is um, basically a, a sandbox with all the patches that they're working on for um, in Munich. And you can see that there's like file widgets, there's a media library, there's the ability to embed videos. Um, I think and 8.3 is still a couple weeks ago. Out, but I think what they're shooting for now is to get the media entity into core, and then maybe the maybe file support or uh, image support as an experimental module. Um, but they want to get the media entity in as non-experimental because this is something that Contrib hopefully will be relying on. So whether um, media itself might be in, but might be hidden, but it'll be there so that Contrib can start working on it so that they won't have to rely on the Contrib project. And then either in 8.3, 8.4, we're going to start to get the library, media library stuff into core. Um, that'll allow you to do sort of what people expect as far as um, Contrib-like media experience. So what can people, I mean, what can people expect with just the media entity, is it similar to what the media module provided in seven? Like what, what should people expect from this in the short so, term? Let's say? Yeah. What, what it basically the media module will provide is a new entity type, a media entity, which will have bundles and each bundle usually will be used. Like it will have a media handler on there, which will be attached to a source field. So you say, well, I have a YouTube or I guess a embed video handler say, and it's when you when you add a new media type, it's going to ask you for the handler, and that's going to be attached to a source field. Also, it'll handle stuff like um, uh, like metadata fields, like if it's an image, you know, all the related data you would get with an image uh, file, like ISO speed and stuff like that. So it's going to have spaces to to um, to put to attach other fields that would handle that kind of stuff. Um, but it's, it's not, I think it's just in the last couple days has maybe been scaled back as what is actually going to get into um, 8.3. But I think what they're really focusing on is so that the core of it gets into 8.3 so that Contrib can start working against that. Because a lot of stuff that's in media or the ecosystem is not going to probably ever make it into core because it's more edge case. But um, things like the library and stuff like that probably will get into core, but maybe be experimental first. They didn't want to make the 
the actual entity itself experimental because obviously that goes into how people store their data. So if sure. you if you change that later on, even though it's supposed to be experimental, I'm sure a lot of people would, you know, balk at that. But the library itself could be experimental because that's more how you like select media. So if that changes later on, that's not as as big a deal. Right, right, right. All right. Well, it sounds like I mean, it, it sounds like it's 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 coming, and we just you know we just have to be ready for it. And um, well, you don't only have to be ready for it; you could help out too. <laughs> that's true and how can people help out right now uh so i think those links uh in the the blog post link to drupal drupal.org issues about what's okay. going on right now so yeah people i mean you know, no matter when this blog post or when this podcast comes out if you click on those links you can sort of go find the drupal.org issues that are related um and yeah like people i think it was only like 12 people sprinted in munich but, um, you know, a lot more people are working on it now remotely and it would, no matter what gets into 8.3, there's still going to be a lot of work left over to get more stuff in for 8.4 to have it more like fleshed out. Right, 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 right. All right. Very good. Um, last story. It's a blog post by Mike Crittenden um, called the Drupal Project Productivity Curve. It's a really cool read. Um, I'm not going to go through too much of it. Um, I'm just going to kind of, you know, mention what the, what the main thrust of it is and see if everyone agrees or disagrees with it. Um, but what Mike is basically saying in this is that Drupal projects make the first 80% of the project really easy and the last 20%, as he puts it, freaking hard, um, <laughs> which as he sees it is the exact opposite from many other common frameworks or technologies where you get a lot of progress early and then things slow down in Drupal where in other frameworks things don't seem to be moving very quickly for a while and then all of a sudden at the end everything kind of comes together. So let's start with, I mean, I, I think from my perspective, you know, with my background, you know, before Drupal was I wrote a lot of custom PHP um, applications. I, I did some work with Cold Fusion and ASP.NET and ASP. Um, and I did work with a couple of, uh, of other content management systems. I don't think this is a Drupal specific issue. I think this is more of a content management system issue. Um, I think if you are working with virtually any content management system, you get the first 80% pretty easy and the last 20% or the customizations is the hard part where if you are working with something that's a little bit more low level, it takes you a while to start building up all of kind of, I don't call them your assets, but um, you know, the various the information architecture, you know, you have to get your, your, your crud pages designed and all that stuff before you can really start moving quickly towards the end. Um, so Ted, I'll, I'll ask you first. Um, what, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think this is the general idea is probably pretty accurate. There's probably other systems like stuff like Laravel that's not like a content management system, but they do have a lot of like um, bootstrapping kind of not bootstrapping, but uh, what do they call it? Boilerplate mm -hmm. things that would also help you get, I don't know, maybe like 60% of the stuff. So I don't think like content management systems are the only way to do that. Um, but yeah, there's actually, there's an interesting comment on the first one. Uh, the main article has this 
just two-line graph where you see that you get stuff right away with Drupal and then non-Drupal you get less right away, but maybe the harder stuff doesn't take as long. Um, but the first comment has this other graph that has like seven different lines that I find <laughs> <laughs> interesting. Um, so, but just to say there's a lot of, obviously a lot of variables that would go into it. Um, I think it also depends on like what type of site you're making. If it's a super specialized site or if it's a site that's well fit to Drupal. Um, right. I guess that's sort of one reason why, and I think media handling is something that people have wanted to get into Drupal for a while, at least be able to reuse media. Um, I think a lot of people would think that's part of like the 80% that a lot of people are going to want out of the box. So I don't know, Elizabeth or Dan, have either of you had a chance to, to peruse this blog post? No, I, 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 I glanced at it before the call. Um, but it's definitely something we run up uh, against all the time. And I think it's partially having a framework or content management system that is, that is deceivingly, you know, it, it seems to do, make a lot of work go quickly, Mm -hmm. but then the devil is in the details. So you get towards the end of the project and it just never seems to end. You know, you're constantly tweaking and finding little bits and pieces. And I think, um, the way we've tried to address this is through our our development process, which every project we're revisiting and refining. And the latest thing is is um, really restructuring our design process, which is which is very tricky to fit into the um, Drupal development. I think. I also think it might have to do with budget as well, and the reason is is projects with higher budget. You know, you can get a lot out. You, know, you can get pretty far along on your project for a small fraction of that budget. But if there's a lot, and I don't, I don't call it money left over, but if there are a lot of customizations you want to make to what Drupal gives you out of the box, you need the budget for it. If you don't have the budget for it, then you're likely to settle for what you get out of the box and the project can go quicker. So, Elizabeth, what were you going to say? I was just going to say that um, I was going to be snarky that he says that the in Drupal, the first 80% is quicker, but then the last 20% is, is more tedious. And in non-Drupal projects, the first 80% is easier, but the last 20%. And I, I think that, um, Never mind. I'm not going to be snarky. <laughs> well, I'm going to imagine that what you were going to say was going to be it's all tedious. <laughs> That's what I'm going to imagine. It's like a fill in your blank game. Yes. So everyone guess what Elizabeth is going to say. I'm guessing everything sucks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on that note, let's move to the picks of the week, <laughs> shall we? <laughs> and since Liz is, uh, I'm sorry, Elizabeth is laughing uncontrollably, I'm going to go to her to her first. What is your pick of the week, Elizabeth? 
Um, my pick of the week is the, um, is the DrupalCon Baltimore page with all of our track lead, the team contact information. Oh, perfect. So, um, of course now I'm, I lost the window, but that's nothing new. It's under community meet the DrupalCon team if you're on the site and it gives you everyone. So whatever your questions are, anyone is happy to answer them. Fantastic. That is excellent because that answers my question from earlier. Mm -hmm. um, Dan, your pick of the week is? Well, there's a, there's a, a blog post by uh, Jordan Page White um, on uh, Drupal 8 front-end architecture. That is a, a nice overview um, of what's going on in Drupal 8 and uh, some of the uh, philosophy behind like why it is the way it is and and uh, good informative um, overview of the front end architecture and then um, this is not oh, something shoot. I remember seeing come across Drupal Planet is it <laughs> <laughs> well I don't know it it, it might have I don't know it's, okay. it's something that's out there it, it um yeah, so you know, I think it's well written, and I think um, you know, you know, we're we're just finishing up our first Drupal eight project, and um, there's just so many things to learn um, moving to Drupal eight, especially um, well, all over the place, front end, back end, or you know, site building. Um, there's some really interesting stuff in Drupal eight, um, and uh, you know, when you go through your first project, you just tend to happen upon it instead of, you know, articles like these kind of help uh, give you a heads up what's there. So this is an incredibly well-referenced article. Like all of the, there's links, there's a whole list at, down at the bottom, but all throughout the article, he links down to the bottom to see where he got each point from. So that's uh, impressive. Ted, you're going to become a front-end developer because of this? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Looking for a very, very entry-level position. Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, if I was to switch to front-end. <laughs> and then if I could have a, a, a second, it would be, um, there's a, a blog by Frank Cimino, and I just love the way he writes his blog posts. Um um, he's kind of slowed down, but there's some, there's some articles there. Or, um, one called the web's grain. That's an excellent read. And really, you know, I love seeing blog posts that actually use the medium to tell the story and, and his blog posts definitely do that. Yeah, so Mike, keep, people don't get two choices, right? You'll edit that out. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to read them both and I'll decide which one is, is better and we'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Todd, normally we don't tell the guests that, just so you know. Okay. All right. But he's been on before. He should know. Well, all right. We'll, we'll throw him a bone. <laughs> Ted, your pick of the week. Okay, so I picked the Drupal Symphony Bridge for IntelliJ IDE. So I use this with PHP Storm. And so basically, if you install this plugin, it'll point you to another plugin, which is a Symphony plugin. And basically, when you have both of these 
in and with PHP Storm's uh, built-in Drupal support, there's a lot of sort of extra, I think it's hard for me to tell where one plugin stops and the other one ends, but um, you get a lot of support for your YAML routing files and oh. I think uh, for like opening um, the methods that attach the routes directly from the routing files or if it tells you if the route, if the um, method on the controller doesn't exist or it'll ask you to create it automatically if the controller exists. So um, a lot of cool stuff. That's the kind of stuff that I notice. I'm sure there's stuff that I'm using that I haven't even noticed or new. Um, it's hard to keep track because PHP Storm keeps adding new stuff. Yeah. <laughs> plugins add more. So I can't tell you exactly all the stuff you'll get, but I feel like I got a whole bunch of stuff right when I first installed it. And I can't take credit. Uh, so I heard about this on the Lullabot podcast. They had a thing a while ago about developer tools. Okay, well, that's the part we're going to edit out. So, all right. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Um, all right. So last but not least, um, I, like Daniel, uh, have two quick picks of the week. The first one is from our friend Brian Lewis over at Modules Unraveled. He actually, um, Modules Unraveled is, is gone completely free. Um, so all of the videos over there are free. So definitely check them out. But he actually came out with a new series, um, for Drupal 8 Composer and Configuration Management. Um, I have not yet started it, although I am, it's, it's one of the only items on my desktop at this moment. So I will be definitely checking that out. Um, I am, I, I use, Configuration management in Drupal 8 a lot um, uh, with not only DrupalEasy.com, but also some of our clients. Um, I'm definitely a student of it. And like I think most people in the community, still looking for like what's the best practice there? What's the best way of, of, of working with it? So um, I, I tend to read everything I, I, can, I can find on it. So this is definitely something I'm going to be checking out. Uh, the link, obviously, for this and everything else will be in the show notes. Uh, my second pick of the week is the fact that nominations are now open for the 2017 Aaron Winborn Award. Um, this award is given uh, uh, once a year to an individual that demonstrates personal integrity, kindness, and above and beyond commitment to the Drupal community. Ted, you can stop typing because I'm not el eligible since I'm on the committee um, working uh, who, who puts this award together. So... But if, hey, Mike, I am not. That's true. So I will continue typing. <laughs> yes. If you just want to uh, buy me a trophy, Ted, and send it directly to my house, that's cool as well. So, yeah. um, so this is announced at DrupalCon, right? Yes, right. this will be announced on um, during, the, I believe, the closing um, at DrupalCon Baltimore. So if you needed another reason to go. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this will be the third year it's given. The first year went to Kathy Thays, one of our um, long, you know frequent guests, we'll call her. Um, last year went to Gabor, um, and this year, who knows? Um, so let me. I'm going to read this because I think this is pretty important. Um, as we're every year when we put this together, we always struggle with. Um, because we get nominations that are both from, you know, for people who have been in the community for a long time, like both Kathy and Gabor have. But then we also get nominations for folks that haven't been in the community for that long, but have made a big impact in the past year or two. Um, and I want to make it very clear. We're definitely looking for nominations for both. 
Um, it's extremely difficult to choose the winner of this. Um, and that's the problem. That's kind of the problem we want to have. So I'm going to read um, just one, you know, a couple sentences off of the, the announcement. Um, it says, nominations are open to not only well-known Drupal contrib- contributors, but also people who have made a big impact in their local or regional community. If you know of someone who has made a big difference to any number of people in our community, we want to hear about it. Um, so it doesn't matter if, you know, the nominee has been on a podcast or written a blog post or is known to anybody outside of their local community. If you think that you know someone who has done exceptional work in the community and fits their criteria, please, please, please nominate them. Um, the nomination form really couldn't be easier. You just, you know, basically we're asking you to tell us about this person. Um, yeah, so nominations are open until uh, March 1st. So you get about a month and a half um, to submit your nomination. So think about it and uh, nominate someone for this. Um, really, the only annual award that the community, you know, bestows to one of our own. So it's kind of a big deal. All right, um, let's move on. Upcoming events, I think we mentioned it earlier. I think all four of us, right, are going to be in New Jersey. Is that right? Oh, yeah. I think we were talking about it before that we started recording, or maybe I'll say before Ted started recording. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that's coming up in about a week and a half. So by the time this podcast comes out, it'll be you know really soon. So that's February 3rd through 5th. takes place at uh, Princeton, New Jersey. Um, wonderful, absolutely wonderful camp. Can't say enough good things. I went last year and it's just fantastic, great event. So if you are anywhere in the area, um, you know, make plans to attend New Jersey Drupal camp, February 3rd through 5th. And then two weeks later, the main event, not taking anything away from New Jersey Drupal camp, but what's better than Florida in February? Um, New Jersey in earlier February? (laughs) Mm, I don't know. Um, February 17th through 19th, um, three-day Florida Drupal Camp. Um, Pay one price registration fee. It's $35. It gets you um, uh, into one of our, I believe right now we have five workshops, full-day workshops we're doing on Friday, February 3rd. um, Including one that I'm giving on Introduction to Drupal 8. We have one on React. One on Docker, one on Drupal VM, and one on Drupal 8 theming. I think those are the five that we have right now. Um, and then on Saturday the 4th and Sunday the 5th, we have sessions. Um, Saturday is a full day. Sunday is kind of an abbreviated day. Um, we've got three great feature speakers. We have Suzanne and Ted. Can you please pronounce her last name for me? I'm not seeing. Uh, I'm not looking at the, is, the lineup right now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's not in the lineup. It's Alex's wife, Suzanne. Uh, oh my gosh, Durgasheva, is that right? I've I've never had to pronounce it. Oh golly, I should really know how to pronounce her last name. Anyway, Suzanne from Evolving Web, she's awesome. She's going to be talking about Drupal eight uh, front end development. We have one of our own here from Florida, um, H- Helena, who uh, whose last name is now McCabe. So Helena McCabe. Um, she is an accessibility expert for Lullabot, giving a feature session on accessibility. And all the way from the home office, um, Megan Sanicki, the executive director of the Drupal Association, 
will be in Florida um, giving uh, one of our featured presentations as well. Um, in addition, we've got, uh, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say, the best swag that any Drupal camp has ever had. I'm not going to say what it is yet, but it's going to be phenomenal. Um, for more information, there you can go to fldrupal.camp. Or you can just go to DrupalEasy.com, where I put a, blo- a, a blog post up not too long ago um, with uh, all the details there as well. So regarding uh, camp swag, if any uh, camp organizers want uh, swag ideas besides T-shirts, my wife has tons. <laughs> <laughs> she would be happy if I never brought home another Drupal T-shirt. But, <laughs> alas. I think we were talking about that because we were actually, you know, we should mention right now. I, I can't believe I, I, I was going to mention this at the very top, and I'm, I'm glad I thought about it before I, we stopped recording. Congratulations to one of our co-hosts, uh, Ryan Price, who uh, recently got married. Was it a couple, two yeah. weeks ago? I uh, guess that's awesome. Something, yeah. Congrats. Yeah, Ted, Ted and his lovely wife were down in Florida um, for the wedding as well. We got to hang out. Um, you know, Ryan uh, and his bride, Mariah, were here. Absolutely. I don't know what you thought, Ted. The wedding I thought was fantastic. It was a fantastic wedding. Other than the fact it was outside on literally the coldest weekend of the year, which for us, <laughs> you know, you make jokes, but it, I think it got down to, into the 40s. And that's kind it of was cold. cold. It yeah. was cold. But, you know, once the band started kicking in, you start dancing. Once so. the dancing, you know. Yeah. You know. Got to warm yourself up. It was fantastic. So congrats to Ryan and Mariah there. Um Okay, so where can we find, uh, I'll start with you, Elizabeth, where can we find you online? On Twitter at, at LizardAta, Data, L-I-Z-A-R-D-A-T-A. Yeah, there's only one That's D in there. I was, as I was typing yes. on, I'm going, is it LizardData or LizardAta or just LizardData? <laughs> I know. I'm, I never had to say it out loud. Yeah. Well, there's only and, one D. Uh, That's the key. It's yeah, LizardData, but with D. one D. And it's on uh, the same as for my Drupal.org handle. Not very good. And Dan, how about you? On Twitter, I'm at Schiavo because many years ago, Liz, uh, for my birthday, gave me the domain name, Schiavo.net. Ah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and on Drupal.org, I went with my full last names because it was available, Schiavoni on Drupal.org. All right. And uh, there you go. Very good. And Tedbo, where can people find you online? They can find me on Twitter at, uh, at Tedbo and Drupal.org at Tedbo if you want to see what I'm doing there. All right. Very good. And um, let's wrap things up really quick here. So at Drupal Easy and Ultimike is me pretty much everywhere. Um, Dan, since we had you on the podcast not too long ago, we're going to do five questions with Elizabeth here. So don't think too hard about these answers. Just whatever pops to your, in your head, that's what we want to hear. Okay. Name something interesting you do outside of Drupal. I turn my concert, uh, my concert, my conference T-shirts into other things. Uh, I can send you the title of that book that showed me how to do them, Ted. So I turn the T-shirts into quilts and skirts and all sorts of other things. Now, before you got into Drupal, did you turn concert t-shirts into other things as well? Yes. That's what I was thinking about it. <laughs> all right. So just so you know, on the last podcast, everything was going fine. We got to, I think, the fourth question here. 
And the answer that it gave completely threw me for a loop. And I, anyway, so I'm, I'm going to try <laughs> to avoid that happening. Um, name the last piece of software that you installed. Doesn't matter where. It was a vast and I desperately needed it. What was it? Avast. It sounds like it's confession. It's a. <laughs> yeah. Is it A V A S T? It is. And what is that? It's a. It's. Go ahead. Virus Sorry. software. <laughs> Wait, I, I, I must be and missing something. Antivirus software. Anti. Sorry, I'm sorry. No, <laughs> no I was just clearing it up for Mike. I understood, but Mike seems stunned. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know what you were talking about. Okay. All right. I'm good. I'm with you now. Antivirus software. Um, what's a goal that you have not yet accomplished, but that is terrifying? Yeah, I'm not really terrified of much of anything. Oh, badass. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> is that what you're just going to put for the answer? Badass. <laughs> That'd be awesome. All right, so I'm just going to put not afraid of anything. Done. What is the last exotic animal that you that you have hand-fed? I, I, I haven't had too much experience with exotic animals, but when I was a kid and mm-hmm. I would go visit my family in Poland, I would leave food out for the storks. Does that count? Good enough. I think we'll go with that. Yeah. Last week... Um, Last week, our guest answered, I believe it was emus. Oh, that's cool. Well, but then he went on to tell us how he owned emus. And then I, I you know, it might as well have been the emu easy podcast after that. Because I was, <laughs> I was sold on emus after that. Um, and then what, what was, was your tipping point? In- was that the, also the interesting thing he did outside of Drupal? No, something, he had something completely different for that. He just he threw me for a loop when he talked about owning an emu, so like as a pet. So anyway, what was your tipping point Drupal moment? At what point did you know that Drupal was a community or a software or an industry that you wanted to be, you know, a big part of? Dan went to DrupalCon DC years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And he came back and I I wasn't able to go, and he came back and he was so jazzed about it that I thought, oh, God, here we go. This is it. (laughs) (laughs) I better go figure this out. (laughs) So you just basically, you know, strapped in and said, all right, here we go. (laughs) (laughs) All right, very good. Um, All right, so real quick, let me talk about webenabled.com and devpanel.com. Uh, on webenable.com, you can build, manage, and deploy your Drupal projects with team development as well as Git integration. De- definitely check that out at webenable.com. And their companion product, devpanel.com, which is like cPanel for developers. Um, they are one of our gold sponsors at Florida DrupalCon. So let me throw that in. Or Drupal Camp, Florida Drupal Camp. Um, If you enjoyed this podcast and you want to hear more in the future or in the past, for that matter, you can go to DrupalEasy.com slash podcast or just search for DrupalEasy in iTunes, Google Play, or pretty much any other podcasting software. If you want to leave us a voicemail, um, please do at 321-396-2340. That's plus one. 
for those of you outside of the United States. If you want to keep tabs on what we might be talking about in upcoming episodes, you can follow us on Reddit in our subreddit of Drupal Easy Podcast. And I think that's about it. So Dan and Elizabeth, uh, first of all, thank you very much. I I know how much work it is. Um, well, I shouldn't say I know. I have heard how much work it is being a trap chair. Um, so, and since you've both have been trap chairs in the past, you know how much work it is. Um, so thank you very much because that is a, a big, big job um, if you want to do it right. So thanks in advance for doing that. And also, thank you for taking the time today to be on the podcast. Yeah, we're looking forward to seeing everybody in Baltimore, you know? Absolutely. Yes, we'll show welcome. you around. We'll show you a good time in Baltimore. I hear there's a moose lodge we can hang out at. <laughs> That's what I hear. <laughs> so. And Ted, always good to catch up with you. Hopefully, uh, well, we'll see you in about a week and a half, I guess, right? Oh, yeah. New Jersey Drupal Camp. All right. Fantastic. All right. Well, everyone, thanks a lot for tuning in to Drupal Easy Podcast number 190. We'll see you next time. See ya!